Let's pray. Father, we do pray that you would open our minds and our hearts to understand and to receive what you have for us in the scriptures this morning. Do us good, build us up, and help us to understand your love and your intentions for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is a sermon about the workings of the Holy Spirit in the church. If you're a Christian, you'll believe that God is at work in and through human beings, that Jesus is Lord, that he is God with us and God over us, that the Holy Spirit is given in a special way to believers and is at work in the church in particular. From time to time, controversy erupts in Christian circles. Who has the Spirit? What makes this known? What are the marks of having the Holy Spirit? Why are these gifts given? How should they be used? When I was a teenager, the charismatic movement was raging and sweeping the church and people had controversies about speaking in tongues, about prophecy, about words of knowledge and healings and many other things. I don't know if you were around when that went on, but from time to time, these things become controversial. Some thought, and I'm sure still think, that all true Christians speak in tongues, or that there is a kind of more spiritual mode of the Christian life available uh, than most believers know, that there is a higher walk with God. These chapters of 1 Corinthians 12 to 14 were, in my teenage years, read closely and argued over because here Paul addresses exactly these kinds of issues. Chapter 12, verse 1, now says Paul about the gifts of the Spirit. It appears that in Paul's day, church in Corinth was hardly a sedate service of evensong. People prayed in tongues unintelligible vocalizations arising from their spirit. Prophets took turns to prophesy as they received revelations from God. Now, Paul does not reject all this as as a hysterical delusion, but he does want to discipline it by a proper framework of understanding and of practice. And whether or not we struggle with controversy over tongue speaking, we can gain a deep insight into church from these chapters because Paul's framework has a philosophy, a vision, a theology of what church is for. What is church for? What should we be aiming to do as we gather together what is most important? And how might you and I play a part in that purpose? These are the questions I hope will come out as we uh, move through this sermon series on 1 Corinthians 12 to 14. I've called it How to Do Church. Today, as we come to the threshold and cross the threshold of that series, there are three basic convictions about the workings of the Holy Spirit in the church that Paul outlines and that I want to kind of draw out. And here's the first one. The first conviction is that the Spirit is active in everyone who has Jesus as Lord. Some 
See, Christians is divided up into classes. Those who merely have a basic faith and those who have entered into a fuller, higher life of the Spirit. And the Corinthians may have thought like this because uh, there were the spirituals, the, the pneumatics. The Greek word pneuma means spirit or wind or breath. So the pneumatics are the spirituals. And Paul opens up the passage in 12.1 by saying literally now about the spirituals. And so it's not immediately clear whether he's talking about people, spiritual people, or spiritual things, things that come from the Spirit. The uh, translation we have here, the NIV and the NRSV, both get it right when they understand Paul to prefer to think of things that come from the Spirit, spiritual gifts, uh, rather than spiritual people. That is a special class of gifted, spirit-possessing people. Paul lays out instead his conviction that all Christians are spiritual people. In verse 3, he says at the end there, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So on one hand, this means that the Spirit is active in everyone who has Jesus as their Lord. Every Christian shows the gift and the working of God's Holy Spirit in them when they confess that fundamental Christian confession, Jesus is Lord. When we sing Christ's praise, when we listen to his word, when we follow in his footsteps and obey his call, we are doing this by the Spirit. This is not something we as human beings are capable of in and of ourselves, but God works in us that we might exercise our faith in Christ and do these things. In other words, there are no second-class unspiritual believers to be a believer. To confess Jesus as Lord is to be activated by the Holy Spirit. That's what it means on the one hand. On the other hand, if Jesus is not honoured as Lord but rejected, the Holy Spirit is absent. As he has just said at the start of verse 3, no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. That is, any kind of spirituality that rejects Jesus cannot be a spirituality of the Holy Spirit. Not all spiritualities are of God. Paul reminds the Corinthians, when you were pagans, before you became Christians, somehow or other you were led astray to dumb idols. You gave your worship, your spirituality was centred on impotent, false figures of worship. And there's still plenty of that in the world. And so here's the first conviction. The Holy Spirit is active in everyone who has Jesus as Lord. And secondly, the Holy Spirit is active in everyone who has Jesus as Lord. The second conviction Paul sets out here as he speaks to the Corinthians about gifts of the Spirit is that the many various gifts are the activity of the one God. The things of the Spirit are described in verses 4 to 6 in three ways. They're described firstly as gifts in verse 4. They're 
are different kinds of gifts. That is, these things that come from the Spirit are not rewards for merit given to the very best Christians. No, they are graces. They are things given by the Spirit at the Spirit's desire and choosing. Uh, They're also described as service or ministry. There, uh, In verse 5, Paul says there are different kinds of service. That means these things that come from the Spirit as gifts are also services or ministries. That is, they aren't for private advantage, but they are for others. And the third way they're described in verse 6 is as working. There are different kinds of working or activation or energies. What comes from the Spirit is the active work of God, His effective energy. It is not human talent or ability that is at work here. It is God himself. And these gifts or ministries or services or workings are diverse. They come in very different kinds. Paul has a list here in verses 8 to 10, uh, which includes in verse 8, a message of wisdom. That is, there is a good, insightful judgment that can be exercised by Christians That is the gift of the Spirit. There is the message of knowledge. That is, there is the ability to convey information, teaching, understanding. That is, again, the working and ministry of the Spirit in a Christian. There is, in verse 9, faith. Now, all Christians must exercise faith. Faith in Christ for salvation. That is what makes us Christian. But there is further, I think, uh, and you may know people who exhibit kind of great faith. That they have a deep trust in God, a trust that is kind of infectious, that gathers you up and carries you along and strengthens your faith because they believe so much that you can venture something for God and that God will not let you down. Or verse 9, gifts of healing, the capacity to bring health and wholeness in all kinds of ways. We might think of miraculous ways as Jesus uh, once exercised healing, as the apostles did as well, but we might also think uh, just of anything that, any way that people can work to promote health and wholeness um, that might be, you know, activated and enabled by the Spirit. Uh, Miraculous powers, verse 10, literally workings of power, which in the Bible's terms often does connote the miraculous, but it could be broader than that, not just the miraculous power to make things happen, but, but a spirit-given energy to be productive, to be effective, to make things happen spiritually. Or, verse 10, distinguishing between spirits, telling the holy and the sound from the false and the empty. Or, speaking in tongues and the interpretation of tongues rounds off the list in verse 10, uh, expressing both unintelligibly in tongues and intelligibly in the articulation or interpretation of tongues, expressing the praise of God and prayer to God that comes from the depths of the individual. Now these gifts are not in conflict or competition with one another, for it is the same Spirit who distributes them. In verse 4, they are all the service of the same Lord. They are in all of them. And in everyone, it is the same God at work. The one Spirit, Lord, 
God is the giver of the gifts, the one whom they serve, and the power driving their effectiveness. They have this deep unity because they have the one source, the one God. So there's the second conviction. The many various gifts are the activity of the one God. They can't be and won't be serving different competing ends but will be united, harmonious, complementary. Third conviction. Third conviction is that the Spirit works in each Christian for the good of all. And this is expressed in verse 7. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. On the one hand, this means there is no, again, caste system in the the Christian church. It's not that there is an elite who have the spirit and the masses who don't. They're not grades and levels of being spiritual, as if, say, bishops and priests and deacons are somehow kind of up a step or two from lay people who are just basic entry-level types. No, to each one. The manifestation of the Spirit is given. On the other hand, this means that what the Spirit activates in you is not for you. Not just for you, anyway. It's for others. It's for the common good, the good of Christ's church. For when you belong to Jesus and his church, the Spirit of Jesus will activate things in you that will serve the good of your fellow Christians. Being a Christian is not a private spiritual journey. It's being joined to others and used by God to do them good. It's to enrich the life of the church. The Spirit works in and through each Christian for the good of all. Okay, so there are the three convictions that Paul sets out in that passage. The Spirit is active in every Christian. There are many different workings of the Spirit, all from the one God, and they are given to each for the good of all. Let me ask then, what does that tell you about how we should do church? Let's, let's ask that question to, to kind of come into land. And look, at any time during this sermon series, I welcome your questions about things I've omitted, questions that are raised by what I say and aren't answered because I can't cover everything that might come up in your mind, but come and speak to me about it after. But here for now is a few thoughts on doing church. Firstly, look, pray. Pray that our church, St Edmunds, would be energised by the working of God's Spirit. The purposes of the church cannot be fulfilled by human effort. The church is not a human project. So pray that we will be enabled to speak by the Spirit of God. To confess Jesus is Lord with our lips and in our lives. To act by the Spirit's power according to the gifts and the service opportunities that he gives us. There's the first thing, pray. Second thing, expect that you will be given things from the Spirit for the common good. 
These gifts need not be supernatural, unusual things. They need not be tongues or revelation or miracles of healing. The gifts may be more like wise judgment and counsel, steadfast faith, a capacity to get things done. In another list of gifts that Paul has in Romans 12, 6 to 8, Paul includes other things like teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, showing mercy. And that's not the only two lists of gifts in the New Testament. And the lists aren't exhaustive. There are many kinds of ways that this Holy Spirit might activate something in you that will serve the good of others. So as you think about your life at church, your belonging to church, ask yourself, what has God given me to serve the good of the others here? What service do I engage in and how do I do it to benefit those I meet with? How is God doing his work at St Edmund's through me, through what I bring to this congregation, this church? Now this may sound a little perhaps daunting or exhausting. <laughs> Give more, you say? I'm not sure I can. Well, appreciate for a start when I say these things I'm asking you to appreciate perhaps what God is already doing through you and all that you're already doing just in coming right? just coming and adding your voice to the congregation and its service to greeting others to sharing morning tea to being connected to being in these relationships this is already service, ministry, the activation of the Spirit in your life. So that's the first thing. If it sounds daunting, appreciate what God is already doing. But secondly, remember that God gives the gift. He empowers the service. He activates the working. And so it's not that this has to come merely from you, but God will give this church, what it needs in the people who come, that it might go on and grow. So how should we do church? We should do church by God's Spirit. We should do church seeking God's own energy to activate us as we serve one another and as we serve our Lord Jesus. Let's pray.